Hello, you're listening to the Medical Protection Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. John Marwick. Today's case file podcast is titled, Say Sorry and Mean It. In this episode, we're going to be discussing issues that arise from a real case about a dentist who extracted the wrong tooth. I will be joined today by Dr. Shashifaran Sadacharan, an experienced general dental practitioner based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Shashi presents workshops for members of dental protection and is also a co-chair of the Patients' Complaints Bureau in Malaysia. As always, these cases we discuss are real, though details have been changed to protect the identity of those involved. For this episode, we have dramatised the patient's perspective by making it the subject of a story told to a fictional talkback radio programme. Let's first hear that extract. You're listening to Singapore's 980, bringing you the best hits from the 90s and 80s. Sammy, I have to ask, what was that? You couldn't keep still. You know it. Or quiet, I should add. On me, take on me, take. Okay, 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 okay. Let's not scare away the listeners. All right, please don't leave. Stay with us. She's agreed to stop. All right, all right. All right, Sammy, who have we got next sharing their tales of woe? So, so our next caller might just take the cake for being out of luck. Almost out of teeth too. Yeah, ouch. Jay, are you there? Hi, Sammy. Yeah, I'm here. Jay, now I'm the last person who'd say they're looking forward to seeing the dentist. But tell us your story. What happened? Yeah, so I had some really bad pain coming from my back teeth. Um, bad enough so you couldn't really eat? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ouch, Ow. I've been there. Yeah, so I took myself to the dentist. He took a quick look, said the tooth was mobile and he needed to come out. I didn't think I'd be living with one less tooth, you know, but he seemed so sure, so I agreed. After I got home, the drug started to wear off and I was feeling worse off than I was before going in there. Right, worse off because the drugs had worn off? <laughs> well, yeah, but the pain was still there, you know. Anyway, I went back because I could tell he'd taken out the wrong... Tooth! Oh, oh no, no, he didn't! Yep, and he wasn't so confident this time. So this dentist stopped short of everything, you know. Then he stuffed up. But instead, he'd say he paid for the implants and finished the work in a week. So, was that it? Well, he never got the chance. So two days later, I ran into this dentist while shopping. And he sees me. And he completely ignores me. You're kidding me. I know, nothing. Didn't care. Didn't want to know me. So the next call I made was to the dental council to make sure this guy never works again. Welcome, Shashi. Uh, really nice to have you here. Thank you for having me, John. Oh, it's it's great, and we've all just listened to that uh, dramatization of this pretty awful case. Now, I understand you um, are co-chair of the uh, Patients' Complaints Bureau, and um, do you want to just briefly tell us a little bit about that? The Patients' Complaints Bureau is part of the Malaysian Dental Association. We were set up to handle patient complaints before it goes, escalates to either the council or to the uh, courts of law. Trying to stop that happening. Yes, trying to stop that from happening. And therefore, if a patient complains to us, we try to listen, find out whether uh, you, uh, what we can do, whether it's a communication issue. Of course, if, if it's something that's against the law, then of course we will not interfere. But we've got to get our patients and the dentist together, talk to them, 
And if you can settle that over the phone, fine, well and good. Otherwise, it has to go through a full-blown mediation, which I normally carry out. Interesting. So I'm sure you've you've seen a lot of different cases over the years in that case. Um, is I mean, hopefully, wrong tooth extraction is is one of these never ever events you would you would like to think. But uh, does it happen? Uh, of course, I would like to think it should be a never never event in, in the sense that's something that should not occur. But having said that, there have been cases of teeth being wrongly extracted. And of course, there are many factors to that. There's human factors, sometimes there are other factors. But I think what we need to worry about, I think today is I would like to talk about is that rather than what those things are, what do we do after the event occurs? Right. Well, we heard we heard from the patient in, in this case. Um, when something like that happens, what is it that patients need? I think the first instance, John, I think the patient needs to be acknowledged. He wants to know that, yes, something has occurred. He wants an apology. Uh, they want their emotions heard. They need to have information of what needs to be done to fix things, not abandon. But I think most importantly, what they would like, even when the uh, apology comes through, it should not be something just of words. It should be a meaningful apology. I mean, from the part of the dentist, he really means an apology, and not something we'll hear an uh, apology that's announced over the PA system of an airport if a flight is delayed. Yeah, I mean, it's not always an easy thing to say sorry. I mean, aren't you admitting that you've made a mistake? I mean, obviously, in this case, there was a mistake, but sometimes things happen badly and, and you know, it was nobody's fault. Okay, in the first answer, to, there are two parts of your questions. The first thing is, evidence seems to point right now in many countries that Saying sorry actually reduces the risk of a complaint. Of course, sometimes, as you said, if an error has occurred, wrong tooth pulled out, there's nothing much you can do about that. But even if an error has not occurred, at least you should express sorrow for the patient's feelings, look like something like, I'm sorry that this has happened to you. You're not implying fault. You're just telling that you're really sorry that that patient is here after an extraction, he felt pain, for example. So that's sort of more showing empathy for the patient, I guess, is it? Yes, you're absolutely right. It shows empathy. And uh, again, going back to that other question, sometimes I think it's a language thing. Certain languages, when you say sorry, it implies you are at fault. So it's a question of trying yeah. to turn that around in such a way so that that I am sorry because I'm at fault. That concept is removed. Right. I mean, I guess in English, there, I can say, look, I, I'm, I'm sorry your father died. Doesn't mean that I killed him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so it, it, we use it in different ways, don't we, in English? Uh, and it doesn't necessarily carry the implication of fault, but you're saying that in some languages it does. It does, depending on how you speak it, depending on how you say it, it has that implication that I am at fault. Now, I, I know you speak a, a few languages, Shashi. Uh, which which ones do you, I mean, is that the case with in, in, in Malaysia? Uh, yes, for example, if I were to, uh, in Cantonese, if I were to say to imchi, which means to say, although it says that 
I'm sorry. The implication is that I'm at fault. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh -huh. so, so clinicians will be reluctant to use that phrase, especially if they, if they haven't uh, had an error. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's interesting for our for our uh, members who are consulting in different languages. Um, I guess, which is which is certainly the case. In this case, it seems like the clinician, well, clearly the clinician has taken out the wrong tooth. How can how can that happen? Well, I think that it was a busy day for the clinician on that particular day. Probably it was a very busy day, and uh, too many cases to be seen. He would have assumed that well, this is the tooth. You see, that's why even sometimes you don't record things properly. This is shaking. This must be the problem. So let's take it out. There's an exemption. Right, right. So, so a number of different things can get in in the way. You know, very rushed. Yeah. So we we're all human, and we can make errors like this. How would dentists or doctors, when they make a mistake like that? What's your experience about how people feel? I mean, it's a quite a quite a significant error. Yes, if I'm the clinician, I think among the things I would feel is first, of course, the most common thing would be guilt. I've been trained to do good. I made a mistake. Yeah. And yeah. Secondly, loss of confidence, fear for patient response. What if the patient happens to be a famous litigation lawyer? And that's not what I want, isn't it? <laughs> Right, or, or somebody who's built like a wrestler. I will. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so, knowing how to say sorry, uh, and and then of course in this case, eventually it seems like the the doctor did accept some responsibility because, as we understand, the dentist said that they would pay for for an implant. That's right. Um, so I guess that's that's at least accepting some responsibility. Just it just occurs to me actually, uh, Shashi, in Cantonese as you were talking, people talk about the difficulty that uh, certain cultures, and I guess Chinese is one, have in admitting fault because they lose face, they yes. they lose the respect of others if they've made a fault. Can you say anything about that? Um, well, as I said. Among our culture in this part of the world, uh, saving of face is very, very important. Loss of face has got implications far greater than just maybe a financial loss, like paying for the implant as you're talking about. Do you think he, he would find it difficult, a cultural difficulty, in actually admitting to the patient that the, the wrong tooth was extracted? Yes, there is a cultural difficulty. Uh, uh, yes. Is there any way around that? I mean, he did take out the wrong yeah, As he said, sometimes <laughs> it's a question of how do you fix that? As you said, yes, fine, I'll have that implant done. I know I've done this mistake and uh, I'm really, really sorry. Okay, maybe I should say about a couple of other experiences, maybe that might help to put things in perspective. Yes, please. Such similar things have occurred before. And during the uh, mediation thing, they realized that yes, mistakes can happen, but at least they want something to be done about it. Uh, in in the sense, there should be finance, financial uh, compensation, maybe to, to redo the work that has already been done. But I think at all times, they expect humility. The patient would expect humility from the dentist concerned, 
And we found more often than not, if those things are there, the cases are usually settled without escalating upwards. Okay. So, so you would then help the dentist in this situation to show some humility, to be able to, to show some humility. Yes, we would. And, and to help the patient in some way to put things right. Yes, I think we, we, there are two parts of this equation. We need to help the dentist, because obviously he is distressed. We need also to help the patient, because the patient has also been wrong in, one, in, in, in a way. So I think that needs to be addressed too. So in this particular case, um, the uh, the dentist saw his patient a few days later, and I guess the the patient took it that, that when the dentist ignored him in the shop, this showed that his his apology or that he wasn't sorry for what had happened. Is is that is that how you read it? I, I said it exactly because they would have expected, especially when things have gone wrong, the patient rightfully expects the dentist to recognize, to acknowledge, and yeah. maintain that sense of communication and trust. Yeah. Trust trust is, is damaged, isn't yes. it, in this sort of a situation? And you, I guess you've got to work really hard to rebuild the patient's trust. Yes, you're right. Shashi, is there anything else we can learn from this case? Or, or would you like to summarize you know, the main things? Okay, basically, I think, first and foremost, I think we need to accept the fact when an apology is given, it has to have meaning. It must be a real apology. It's not that kind of thing. It has to come from the heart. It needs to have an emotional bearing to that. In that way, you're telling the patient, look, I value you. I value your emotions. I value your trust. More importantly, I value that relationship which we are having and therefore I'm doing all this. That is a sense the patient should be able to get. Really interesting. And, and I think that last uh, trust and travel, in this particular case, the patient felt that they'd been abandoned uh, in a way, hadn't they? So Shashi, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, John. So yet again, a very interesting conversation and what you can learn from a, a sad case, really, how difficult it is for patients, what their needs are. And of course, it's not always easy for our clinicians, especially when there are cultural complications. And the issue about saying, sorry, I'm sorry for your experience, or I'm sorry that I did something. So those two different sorts of sorries, and how in some languages, so for example, Cantonese, the words for sorry, carry that implication of guilt or of uh, liability. So in those languages, if you want to express empathy, I'm sorry that you, you need to find different ways to, to do that. So a lot can come out of these sorts of cases. That's the end of today's podcast. If you're a member of Medical Protection Society and want to know more about this topic, I really encourage you to look at the various workshops and other materials that we have on our PRISM website. There's a lot about open disclosure and about what to do after an adverse event. Details will be in the podcast description. And for more information about medical protection, please look for the links in the podcast description. Until the next time, I've been your host, John Mark.